was an interesting start. We started with the metronome clicking in our head. You would have been, it would have driven you guys crazy if we had been talking (laughs) in rhythm as we went. (laughs) So, always always love when people have never heard. You know, they look up on a platform and they go, "Look at all those musicians. They got their they got these headphones in." You know, and it's like, what what are they listening to? Well, that right there is one of the things we're listening to. Yeah, that's just blaring in your ear. I, I watched this video of a drummer that had a vest. Now he had it set up to where it wasn't necessarily the metronome. It right. just played like all the bass kicks and different things, so he could feel it in his chest. But I was thinking, I was like. That would actually be a very useful thing for a drummer if you had, like, as you're playing, you just feel this. Oh, yeah. Because, okay, so interesting scripture passage here, um, you know, where it talks about the heart uh, above all things is, mm-hmm. is deceitfully wicked, mm-hmm. right? Who can know it? So your heart rhythm <coughs> actually affects the way you hear music. Oh, Sure it because does. that's your internal. Even yeah. though you can't hear it audibly, it's an internal metronome. So if your if your heart rate is <clears throat> elevated or your heart rate is uh, lowered, it throws your sense of timing off. Yeah, which is why whenever we get really excited on platform yeah. and we're we're pushing a song and we're building, faster, faster, if faster, our heart faster, rate faster, starts faster. kicking up, we start going faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hardest part. Is <laughs> oh, we're getting into like an a loud part. Yeah. We're building, go and then fast, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you get done, and you're going, <sighs> yeah, because you're trying to sing how fast I was playing. So instead of getting in the sweet, you get in the sweet, bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we get done playing, I'm always like, "Well, I'm sorry, everybody." You <laughs> <Hey>, shit. <laughs> so we finished Ephesians last time. Yes, we were. We met. Which actually, uh, for those of you um, keeping up, we released this on like a weekly-ish schedule. I'm saying ish, so I give myself some leeway. <laughs> we're asking y'all for grace. We need um, it. But we're actually only two days removed from the last time we recorded. Right. So this one will come out while I am on vacation. Yeah, I took all the vacation time. Now y'all are getting some time, boy. <laughs> so we're trying to play a little bit of a catch up ahead. Yeah. Uh, so what what does this week look like? Well, partly we don't know, and here's kind of the the reason for that. One, well, ha- proof that we don't know. One, I, we came in this morning, started setting up, and I said, "Larry, what are we going to call this one?" <laughs> and we don't know. We'll figure it out by the time it gets released. <laughs> so a couple weeks ago, we were sitting there mapping out yes. what we wanted to talk about, and we mapped our way through Ephesians. And then we said, okay, we're gonna we wanna do an in-betweener episode yep. and then we're gonna jump into something else. What should we do the in-betweener on? And I came to you the end of last week, I guess it mm-hmm. was, and I said, Hey, I've got the idea. Just do you trust me to go with it? You said, absolutely. So I think it kind of ties in and and kind of helps close out our thoughts on Ephesians. So that's part of the conversation I want to bring into this is like, 
we're, we've finished Ephesians now. What's kind of like the overall thoughts on it? So today we get to find out what pops in Jared's world. There you go. What pops? <laughs> and then with that in mind, where my head has been, this is where I want to, I'm going to bring everybody else into the thoughts and questions of Jared a little bit more. I have been really thinking through because of some other people that happen to be on social media mm-hmm. in this like weird new Christian pastoral social media space. Mm. It's been quite interesting to like be <laughs> kind of start looking in that world. Some really good. Yeah. Um, but some questions that have been generated in me because of that is really kind of focused around um, why is this deconstruction movement seem to be so popular mm. with, I would say, really between mine and your ages? Yes. You're, we have a 10-year difference, and yeah. your, your group of people is probably at the top end of where it's popular. Yeah. And my group is like kind of bringing up the, the back end of it, and that 10 years in between, it's surprisingly this big movement and and to be fair the older ages in my generation don't struggle with this the way those of us that are closer to the millennial flip over are yeah it what's been interesting for me to watch though is um the what's the word the the church leadership celebrity group that has oh, yeah. that has led the movement oh, okay. from I'm a leader to I'm deconstructing or I'm deconverting. Yep. They are prob- are are more into their forties than they are their thirties. That's true. And so that's where I'm kind of getting that no, and I think you're a- right. age range. And right? I think you're right. And so it's been I don't know. That's just been on my heart and my head. And I've just been chewing through those ideas. Like what is going on? And then what, what do I think about it? And what, and what can, what can the church do to not let it happen again in 20 years? So there needs to be, I think, whether you want to call it a litmus test or a rubric or a linchpin, or whatever other colloquialism I can come up with. Um, and, and so could we agree as we enter this conversation that what we're going to do is we're going to mention something, and then as we talk about it, let's try with our Jesus-tinted glasses mm-hmm. as we've been doing through Ephesians to say, what is what does Scripture really seem to say about how I'm responding? Yeah to this, to deconstruction, I can, whether I agree with it or whether I don't agree with I it. I can agree to that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll define some terms too. Cause I think, uh, I think some terms need to be defined in, on our terms too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think so. So that's kind of where my head has been and kind of where I think this conversation can go. And here's why I think it ties into Ephesians. Paul gives a a battle cry of sorts hmm. to say dear christian if you've put on these jesus glasses mm-hmm. 
if you've believed in the mystery of the gospel, it should now produce in you more of these other things. Hmm. And then, so I don't want to stop there because we'll get into this more, but I think stopping there is what has led a lot of people out of the church because they go, well, I thought I said the prayer and now my life hasn't been dramatically altered to look this way. Yeah. So then the call without in some explicit form, but not necessarily explicitly saying Paul then is saying, dear church, I love you a lot, but you've got to do these things. Mm. And so that's, why I think this conversation about why is deconstruction, deconversion happening all over the place? Like, why is it so popular to, in today's internet culture? Mm-hmm. And how does Ephesians speak into that? So that's kind of my tie-in. I like it. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things we forget, we always play a, a game with Satan, the game that we play is when do we ascribe too much power and or when do we not acknowledge that he really can work that way? Sometimes yeah. we almost go ostrich with him where we stick our head in the sand, and then sometimes we just blame him for absolutely everything right? and, and giving him too much credit to, to what's going on. But... I don't think what we can do is walk away from the fact that he is this roaring, seeking, devouring entity mm-hmm. that wants to that, that wants to seek out those who bear the image, spiritually bear the image of, of, of God. And he wants to destroy that image because it goes in the face of his power. It goes in the face of who he is. And what better way than to, you know, it's kind of like, you know, walk into the middle of a, of a scenario, drop a hand grenade and walk out and just watch the whole thing burn down. So, Hey, you know, instead of using outside forces to attack the church, let me get inside. Let me stir the stuff up and let me walk, walk away and watch it just implode. Yeah. And how quickly he doesn't have to do much. No. You you know, you... One little seed of doubt. One little thing. One little seed of doubt. And you can just watch a whole bunch of people tear each other up. Uh Uh-huh. And they got nobody to blame but themselves at the end of it. And that's... Yeah, and this is what we're watching politically. Yeah. And I'm not even going to mention an aisle. I'm going to say the whole dad blame lump of them. Yes. No, I mean, what? And at the end of and at the end of that day, you pull back the curtain on any single one of them, and what is the motivation behind whatever they're doing? It's self, self, and money in my pocket. And so, we go into anything with ego as the at sitting center stage, and something not great is going to end up as the long term result of it. I'm right. convinced of that. So how about we pray? Sure. And then we'll get into this conversation a little bit more. I like it. Father, thank you so much for this morning, for good friendship, 
good conversation. Lord, I pray that you just give us wisdom this morning as we talk through some of these things. I I, I was thinking last night some of these topics. So this conversation could very easily, and with the wrong glasses on, get into something that was not uplifting or beneficial. And we want it to be that. We want it to be something that's thoughtful, um, but beneficial for building each other up and those that are listening as well. So give us wisdom as we talk. Uh, We just thank you for Paul's letter to the Ephesians and the ways in which we've learned from it. We love you, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so kind of we'll dump, jump right into where my head was. All right, let's do it. <clears throat> let's start off with some terms. Here's here's terms by Jared. Okay. Deconversion. No, no, no. Deconstruction. Deconstruction. That's the, the popular word. Okay. So instead of placing bricks in structure, we're removing bricks from yes. structure. Okay. I think the term has been hijacked by a group of people. Okay. All right, so here's how I think the word or term deconstruction should be used. Okay. In a hypothetical situation, I have grown up in a church that um, I'll use our kind of regional context. I'm, I'm not trying to throw bricks at anybody, but let's just say I grew up in a church that was... Um, Southern Pentecostal in nature. Okay. okay. And so I don't know a lot about what the, some of those churches do, but here's kind of the context in which you would get from people that have were in those churches. One, there's a potential that they're uh, having some serpenty <laughs> services. <laughs> okay. Two, um, as a child growing up in those churches, you're probably told that if you don't read a certain translation, you're mm. not a Christian. Mm-hmm. Three, you're probably told that if you ask questions, you just don't believe that good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the landscape you grew up in, in some of those realms, right? Mm-hmm. So if you haven't caught the Holy Ghost, something ain't right with you. Yeah. And quit asking those questions. You just need to have faith. And they might be questions that are just like a kid wants to know, like, well, you know, I'm trying to think of a good question. Like, you know, think about a little kid. Like, what was it that uh, your youngest said to you the other day? Well, he can't be everywhere. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm a, a four years old, three years yeah, old? Three. He'll three years four old. In October, yeah. Asking about this idea that God can be everywhere. Well, of course, uh, I mean, I'm 30 years older than him and I'm going... That's a crazy concept. And yet, and yet he has, it's he, in his head to ask the question. His head. And this is the same kid that was talking about great mammal, because that's what they called my mammal who passed away. And he goes, he goes, I'm drawing a picture for her. And I'm like, but honey, she's in heaven with Jesus. I know. But in the resurrection, we'll see her again. Yeah. Yep. I, I wasn't thinking those thoughts at three years old. Right. <laughs> but so, all the more reason to be, to be willing to answer the questions, right? Because right. they're going to come. They are going to come. They're going to come. And so 
in that context, if I grew up in, in that context and as a kid, I, um, professed faith. I placed my trust mm-hmm. in Jesus. Um, but then I'm going through my teenage years, I get into young adulthood and all these questions or doubts or things that I, concerns that I had in, within my faith and trust never get answered. Right. Because the church, that church for whatever reason just isn't capable or doesn't know how to answer them mm-hmm. or they have bad theology. Yep. Okay. So that combination, I'm now an adult and I, let's say I, I, I go off to college, I find a church that is teaching good theology, that's answering questions, it's doing all these things and helping me, like dif- discipling me, right? fostering this growth. And I start to go, I have got to, I've realized this thing that I learned growing up is just, it's not beneficial. It's not helpful. Right. It's not right. I am going to get rid of this idea. I'm going to change this idea. I'm forging kind of my own theological path is from away from the church that I grew up in because I have been discipled and I've realized that these things need to be kind of set to the side and my faith looks like that. That to me is deconstruction. Okay. Okay. Because I am deconstructing the things that I grew up in that mm-hmm. aren't right. Okay. And then I'm rebuilding a, f- I'm, I'm putting my faith on a rock structure and not a sand one. So for me, in my in my theological mind, what I've just heard you describe is sanctification. Yes, I'm. I'm yes, I and I agree with you. I'm trying to use terms that are being used today, right? Right. But and I guess I guess that's that's kind of my point. Is that uh, so? My daughter actually rolls her eyes at this, but it's funny, you know. And we have picked and played around with some of the terms today, you know. Uh, so if you looked. You know, if it, years ago, if you looked sharp, you know, the oh, yeah. kids would have said you were on fleek, you know. <laughs> I don't think it's that. The, the years go by so fast because yeah. of the internet culture. That was probably only like a year and a half or two years ago. And it seems it's like little, ages, yeah, it's internet ages ago. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's like, you know, if something's good, that slaps. Or, you know, if something's like right on point, bet. You know, yeah. and, and just, and there was another one that, you know, well, and, and my, I'll go back, I got Michael Jackson singing in my head, but you know, if something was, was bad, oh, you know, yeah. it was good. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I'll still say that. Right. Radical or <laughs> awesome. Or I even looked at the other day and went, cowabunga dude. I said, yeah. go back, go back and yeah. think about that yeah. one. But but I mean you know we we use yes terms terms and 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 <laughs> to quote to quote a polarizing political figure uh, to to quote uh, who has passed to quote Rush Limbaugh words mean things yes words do mean things so yes I would agree with you that I think it is this the art of or the the act of sanctification yeah but. If a person, I guess what I would say is if you are, if you ever have a conversation with the person and they tell you they're really struggling with this idea of like deconstruction, they feel like they've done their family or their church they grew up in this thing and they're like, they're walking away from it. They're moving. But what they've been, what they've done is like rebuilt their faithful foundation. Mm-hmm. Then I would encourage 
then my with the way I would talk to them is like, I don't think you think of deconstructing in the same way that what you're doing is right. <clears throat> so to me, to steal the term back, okay, that's what I'm labeling it as. Okay, I don't think it's being used right, right. right. So the the popular culture is saying I'm deconstructing. To me, what they are saying is I'm deconverting from Christianity. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference to me of mm. deconstruction. I'm dismantling parts that I don't agree with. Right now, some people might be deconstructing because they think that the um, theological viewpoint that uh, homosexuality is unbiblical or um, marriage should be between only a man and a woman or um, abortion is wrong. I'm, you know, there's some other, a lot of people are deconstructing because they, they don't agree with those biblical views. Mm -hmm. And I, and so I don't think that that's proper deconstruction. Right. That's liberalism. Yeah. But some of, (laughs) yeah, but some of them might end up in a place where they are deconstructing those ideas that they don't like. Right. But still claiming to have somewhat of a faith in Jesus. Yeah. I'm, I don't quite know how you continue in that because I think you'd feel very conflicted. (laughs) But but it's got to lead to emptiness at some point. But I'm, I don't want to say that that can't happen for somebody. Somebody, So my mind goes, my mind's going to like two or three different places. The first place is this back to this conversation of fruit. And it seems to me, especially with Ephesians, that what Paul is doing, so, all right, so everybody wants to go to the judge not lest ye be judged. What's Jesus really saying there? What he's saying is, be careful because how you judge people is the same standard I'm going to hold you to. Sure. And so if you're going to be super judgmental, then then you better walk a very, very tight rope because yeah. it's coming back at you. Yeah. And that's not karma. Right. And there's a big difference. And so there's there's dangerous line there. But I think what Paul is doing is trying to give a further definition to say, okay, what do we judge? Well, we don't judge the world. The world's already been judged. Jesus has already handled that. As believers in Jesus Christ, what are we called to look at and to say, hmm, it's there or it's not there? Well, the fruit in someone's life. If yeah. another person claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ, we should see fruit. Yes. And so I think what Paul has done is helped us to define that fruit. Yes. And, and to give us an, an understanding of, you know, while the fruit itself can, can be different coming out of every person, because not everybody's going to be a fig tree, not everybody's going to be an yeah. apple tree, not everybody's going to be an orange <clears throat> tree, but that the essence of these things need to be inside the fruit as they come out. Exactly. So I think that's that's number one for me that, that my brain goes to. Yeah. The other thing that my brain goes to is this. When Satan deceived Eve, mm-hmm. he set a standard for how sinful thought or how temptation was going to play out in the rest of humanity from that point forward. 
Yeah. And that is little drops of doubt, little drops of twisting the word of God, little, just little drops here and there of different, different things. And what I really, what I'm really hearing from people is just this idea of if I can get you to accept my sin, Mm. then I'm justified. Sure. And so for someone who's going to go a Joshua Harris route or some of these other folks that we've heard, you know, or even sometimes what I see, you know, I see a Hollywood star who's like, oh, no, like I'm this strong, firm believer in Jesus Christ, but yet I'm still going to be involved in movies that scripture and, and, and those movies are like, yeah, the, yeah, there's stuff not lining up here. It makes me think about, okay, when Larry is being selfish, I don't look at this lens on a, on a judgment of, of being like, Oh, look at them. No, I look at it from a lens of, okay, if I was to do that in my life, how does that look to the world around me? And when it conflicts, when I go, if somebody saw that within me, especially, you know, church members that know me and, yeah. that, and that we're close and, and, the, and they have the right to go, hey, Larry, I'm just not seeing this in like your life or I'm seeing this yeah. and it does not look right. That's, that's what drives me to go, well, what's going on yeah. in their heart? Well, so Jesus gave us a good example of this idea um, speaking of like sin in their lives and how a, a thoughtful Christian can think through how do I engage with somebody that is in a lifestyle that just doesn't line up with scripture. Right. right. So, uh, the, I'm going to mix up the, the Pharisees bring the woman to Jesus. Yes. Right. Yeah. Sling all these accusations at her. And what does Jesus say? says, those of you without sin, cast the first, cast stone. The first stone. Mm-hmm. Then they all leave. And now it's just him and her. What was he writing in the sand? I don't know. <laughs> was he writing names? I always picture him doing what I do. Like when I go to the beach or I'm at the playground, I'm like playing with, and I have to like talk with Lillian. I don't, there's something about like, I'll just get down on my knees and I'm just kind of, maybe it's just the ADD just, in my just brain. Just doodling. Just doodling. Yeah. But... So what does he do in that entire exchange? So he has, I'll use the terms of the day, he's accepted her. Okay. Okay. Despite the sin that brought her, that brought her there. Mm-hmm. But what does he tell her after everyone leaves? Go in sin no, no more. more. So in a good alliteration fashion, he does not affirm mm. the lifestyle. Right. In fact, he provides her some instruction about it. Right. But all the Pharisees saw was this guy that said, come on in. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they didn't get to see the part afterwards where he gave her good instruction for life. So, you, you know, mm-hmm. like we can, and that's a really good, that's a really good point. We have to be careful not to discount what God says to someone when we're not around. Sure. Because I'm going to make the argument that while he may use at times a public arena to get someone's attention, 
he does not complete the work in front of everybody else. Yes, but Jesus didn't say in that moment in the private, don't worry about them, honey. You just go on and keep doing what you're doing. That's right. He didn't. <laughs> so if somebody said, go and send them more. <laughs> if somebody were to say, "Well, I I pray," okay, like here's a perfect example. Have you seen this lady that is a minister? Okay, that's been preaching in these church. She's from North Carolina. Oh boy. With a what's the thing called? Like a a stole. stole. Yeah. A bright pink stole that's got the Planned Parenthood emblem on the stole. Oh, my word. <clears throat> I don't remember her name. She's been in the... Like, Jezebel? No, sorry. <laughs> she's been in like Wall Street Journal and all these... So she is a PCUSA oh. pastor. But her sermons, she works for Elon University. Her sermons have been um, lately about how... Um, she has she's pro abortion. She's course. had two abortions and she has felt God's presence in those abortions and she knows that and she has felt no sin. That's the quote. Wow. <clears throat> okay, so just to, just to, to clarify for those in our church or those that aren't in our church but know where we come from and are listening. You're having a conversation with somebody and they tell you, I've prayed to God. He said, it's cool that I go get an abortion. He didn't. No. <laughs> I don't care if you tell me he, he told me that in private. <laughs> he didn't. It, because, because God speaks through this, yeah. these pages, and it's not there. No. <laughs> in fact, no, it's you, not. So anyways, that's kind of an aside. You know, God spoke to me, and he said, Larry, you need to leave your wife and go to this little, you know, hot, crazy, right out of, of college, 22 year old, you know, no, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. Never, never once in his word did he say, you know, what does he tell? He tells me to be comforted yeah. with the wife of my youth. And I, I, you know, Jennifer and I had this conversation the other day cause we, we've laughed. So, <laughs> My mother-in-law, um, every now and again, man, she she will come out with something, and it's just like, you go ahead, girl. That was funny. So she was giving my father-in-law a hard time, and he was kind of giving her a hard time. And and uh, and the kind of tongue-in-cheek joke has always been, you know, oh, you're getting close to this age. I'm going to trade you in for two 20-year-olds or whatever. And she goes, honey, you're only wired from 110, you know? And I was like, that's, you know, electrical world, that's good. And the fact that she understood the difference between 220 power and 110 power. But it was so, it was so funny. But, you know, we laugh and we joke. But I'm going to tell you what, my in-laws both came uh, from broken homes and have set a high standard of no matter what, this is who God has placed me with. And I think Jennifer and I, there have been days Jennifer and I have had to say, I'm choosing to love you right now. Sure. <laughs> because Larry Kirby, you're the biggest jerk on the face of the planet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just well, throw it off on me. I mean. But, but you know, at the same time, there, you know, there is this comfort. The conversation she and I have is like, I could not imagine. Yeah. Thank goodness it's you here. Yeah. yeah. I, I could not imagine <laughs> 
starting over. What I tell couples all the time in marriage counseling, and, and I don't think they get it till they go through the trials. You're never, when you go through trials with your spouse, that becomes part of your story. Mm. And the new spouse doesn't understand why that kid is so important because they weren't there for the struggle you went through to have that child. They don't understand why that car or that job or this place on the planet is so important to you because they don't, they didn't live all of the scenarios that brought you to that point. Why would we throw that away? Right. And I'm going to tell you what, let, let me lean in on this one for a minute. I think this is what makes ministry transitions and church transitions so difficult, which is why we come to the statement, we've never done it that way before. Yeah. Because young pastors come in and and they just start going, well, I know, been to seminary, I know how church should be. And they don't come in and they don't go, okay, what is the context of this body? Sure. How did we get to where we are? Sure. Why Why are we seeing what we're seeing? And yeah. then work inside that context. It's the same. You can see it in business, too. Mm-hmm. You, go, you go to a place, somebody comes in, and they just change, yeah. right? And it, Everything. It, it very rarely... Sometimes a company culture just needs that, uh, but very rarely does that end up with an easy transition, I'll say. And I would say, I would say the radical transformations need to come when the depravity is the greatest. Yeah. So if, if I'm a, if I'm a, a young pastor, if I'm an old pastor and I walk into a church and I mean, let's take Corinth for instance, Mm -hmm. and I'm going, you got you got a staff member who married his father's wife. Mm. You've got a, you know, you've got a deacon who is selling, openly selling drugs to, you know, you've got a a church member who has a ministry on helping people get abortions. Right. Okay. In that scenario, yeah, you come in with the gospel guns ablazing, and, and you you drop nuclear bombs in the yeah. middle of that. Yeah. Yes, that needs radical transformation. And if, but if you go into a place and it that's not the scenario, right? But you still feel like things just need a one eighty as far as what we're doing. Yeah. Then my challenge would be. Get the people's buy-in, yeah, and then do it because then you're they're gonna they're gonna row row with you, yeah. <clears throat> what what okay? What does Scripture say? I want to I want to talk to you guys about this topic. What does Scripture say about this? All right, can we all agree that this is where Scripture lands? Okay, yeah, yeah we do. Okay, good. Now, what would that look like here? Yeah. Well, doesn't that look like what we do? No, it really doesn't. And here's why. Oh, so what could that look like here? That's a completely different conversation than going, you know, well, your staff's met. We made the determination. We're just pulling the trigger on this. Yeah. See ya. So let me, let me, uh, to quote your daughter again, let me put a pin in this. 
<laughs> because what what we're what we've inadvertently done is we've jumped forward to where I want the conversation to go. Okay, but I've skipped the bridge. All right, well, so let's back up. So here's the bridge. Real we quick. paratrooped in yeah. on the other side. <laughs> we're going to run backwards and secure the bridge. So here's the bridge, real quick. Okay. okay so we we talked about what is deconstruction in Jared's view. Right. What is deconversion? So deconversion to me is the real term. Okay. Of yeah. what's going on. Yeah, right? the idea of walking away from yes. something we think is tainted. And so why do I think that is happening in broad strokes? So I'm going to generalize here. Okay. In broad strokes, I think the people that are struggling with that idea, not mm-hmm. all of them, but a large majority of them, were raised in a church culture <clears throat> and a church environment that did not build up a proper foundation. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so I'm indicting two groups of relationships. Okay. I'm indicting the family relationship <clears throat> in, in some aspects. I'm thinking about some people that are close in my life that might be struggling with these thoughts okay. a little bit. And in some of those scenarios, I would argue pretty vehemently, how do you say that vehemently. word? Vehemently. Vehemently, that it's not the family relationship that these people have chosen to step out and question on their own. Mm. Um, and so then the other side of that is, how did the church, what did the church focus on, and did they build up the right areas? Yeah. And so that's kind of where I've been chewing on a lot lately and so now we're gonna we can jump back in that so that's the bridge to walk us into i truly think if you read through ephesians you are going to walk away with they're not all going to be the same but they're kind of going to be focused in the same area on what should church be focused on what should the family and and church be focused on in raising up believers not just kids but just how do we build up believers in their faith? Mm-hmm. And I think if the church would to really dive deep into that question, 20 years from now, when my daughter is in this age bracket that's thinking through these deconversion thoughts right now, mm-hmm. Hopefully her foundation is such that it's a fleeting thought. Yeah, and, and I, that is a huge fear that I have. I mean, I've got one that just turned 15. Um, and, you know, she has a disposition of, <coughs> like, if she, if she even gets an inkling or a thought that she has offended somebody or there's an issue. I mean, it crushes her spirit. There is this massively tender side to her, but there is also this massively selfish side to her that really comes out when, when dealing with her siblings and, you know, and it, and it, and it hurts me to watch the conflict in her. And so my prayer is, Lord God, let let the the sensitive side of her, let the the side that is leaning into the Holy Spirit, went out, 
Because if she chases the other road long enough, daddy can tell her where that leads to. Right. Because daddy's dealing with that in his own life. Right. And and so what does that do? That puts her and I at conflict with one another. Right. And, and then we we get to biting at each other and, and causing issues. And and so I worry about that for all my kids. I mean, Andrew is like, you know, they they jokingly a couple of staff members at our church call him the old man. And he's always kind of he's always kind of been this old soul. Um, he is, he is his mother's son. That boy knows what he believes. You could run a Mack truck into him at 2000 miles an hour. And if the Mack truck had any bit of untruth in it, he, he would take the blow Yeah, and be like, nope, you didn't move me. Yeah. And so there is a, for me, there is an exciting point of watching that. Yeah. But there's also a huge fearful point in the fact that if you cling, son, to the wrong thing. Yeah. And it takes that kind of force to move you. Right. Or or on that side, so I could I could put myself in both shoes, I think. Mm. I can be hypercritical and so I just dig and dig and dig and ask question after question after question. Mm-hmm. But I could also just believe something mm. in some some cases, right? And so on the boat, I can see both sides of that. So if you, when you just have such strong convictions, it can also lead to this point where you never study, you never wow. do. And then what happens when somebody finally asks the question where you go, oh, okay. So I'm glad you said that because that. <laughs> So earlier when I said there was kind of two things, that was something that was that was weighing in my mind. You were talking about specific kinds of churches where, and we could go through all the stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're just going to leave the stereotypes to the side and say this. If you have church leaders that won't answer your questions or won't help you find the answers to to your questions. I'm going I'm going to make a loving but truthful statement. They are ignorant and desire not to put in the effort. Mm. So what I mean by that is I'm not saying that they're stupid. And I don't mean that by <clears throat> ignorant. What I'm saying is they they want they want the sanctification process to be one of I spoke. Yeah. You yeah. just believe it. Yeah. And that nowhere do you find that. Right. No pastor is going to have. Not every pastor is such a theological powerhouse that they can just. Right. At the snap of a finger, spit out the answer. Right. And sometimes if a, if a lay church member is thinking through issues in, in their Bible, they're going to have a question or two. Right. And so if I were to come to you mm-hmm. and say, really thinking through this, well, I'll tell you, listeners, what Larry as a pastor would do. He would say, if you hit the opportunity is given, let's go have lunch. Yeah. And we'll talk about it. Because I like to eat. We'll talk about <laughs> it, right? But what that what did that do? That put us in an environment where we can say, I think this, you think that, 
Yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. No. And, and, but what, what would I, what do I think you would do if somebody came to you with a question that you're, that you, that was a stumper? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I haven't thought about that. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to study this. I'm going to get back to you. Or do you got some time where we can go look at it together? Mm Mm-hmm. I've seen you do that. And so, and then set a date, <laughs> right? Not just like the, 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 the proverbial, right? Yeah. No, like no, let's, set, let's, set a date. Yeah. So, okay. This is the, this is the heartbeat of why we started this. Yeah. Questions. Because answers. the idea of, of, of our countenance being in the same place and wanting to sharpen one another. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't know everything. Like, I, so, you know more than than a lot of people do some of the intricacies of 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 things I'm praying through in life right now and, and things I'm looking at. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm struggling with is I don't see myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's not a it's not necessarily a worthy thing. It's a scholarly thing. I don't I don't view myself in, in places that I, I think my heart or I believe the Holy Spirit, and I believe the Holy Spirit through lots of people is confirming. Mm-hmm. But I don't see myself that way. Now, whether that's God's gift of humility to keep me from, because, I mean, hey, I, I can like me some limelight, you right. know? So, so, you know, if that's God's way of keeping me in, in a humble state, or if it's just, you know, no, Larry, you, you need to kind of step up and look around and realize that, that you got some things to offer. Yeah. But, but, you know, when you do something for so long, you know the ins and outs of that thing. Yeah. My father-in-law to this day. So my father-in-law is a pastor. He uh, finally has uh, his doctorate. And I mean, you know, what a testament to just how the Lord works. My wife is in college and she gets a telephone call from her parents saying, hey, your father's quitting the job he's had your whole life. And he's moving from New Jersey to this little town called Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And he's going to this little Bible college and he's going to he's going to learn to either become a professor or a pastor. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a tough pill to swallow when you are in your late teens, early 20s and and home is all you've ever known. Now right. home is being uprooted. Right. Right. So, but what did he do? He walked away from a career that was comfortable for him in the aspect of he knew it inside and out. To this day, if you were to take a, ga- a gas furnace, now I know a lot has changed since he was in it last, but if you, if you walked into a home that's 20, 30 years old, 40 years old, and still a, a gas furnace in there, and you were to read a part number off to him, I would guarantee you he could go, oh, yeah, I know what's wrong with that. This is the part that you need to replace. This is what you need to do. Right. He knew that. But what did he do? When the Holy Spirit said, it is time to go, now, he struggled. He sure. chewed on it. He walked the process. But he didn't resist to say, no, I won't go. I just want to stay in my comfort. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the danger of the way the world defines deconstruction 
comes in. Yeah. Because they don't see that transition as a transition to grow in the Lord. They think the only way I'm going to get better in the Lord is to walk away from. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and I think what you're really seeing in the life of the believers and in, in the life of the church is this idea of, you know, I am going to go the road that promotes self because I'm listening to the world and the world says, you just need to know about yourself. Yeah. You just need to get better. Or I'm going to go the road that says I had to put self to death mm-hmm. and I've got to follow in the Lord. And so when you have these teachers, whether they're Sunday school teachers or pastors or parents who want to sidestep the issues. Well, I just, you know, your grandparents taught me to believe, so I just believed and you just need to believe. No, mom and dad, no. Yeah. yeah. You know, let let your children see you struggle. Let your children accidentally wake up too early one morning <clears throat> and walk through the living room and find you on your knees broken before the Lord. Right. A scene that they probably would have never seen, but that one moment in time will impact them greater than yeah. any lecture or yep. anything that you have to say. Yeah. So that's where my head has been. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we are seeing all of this movement going on. People are struggling with these thoughts. Sometimes when you read the Bible and the the theological teachings that come out of it, the, the just aren't the way that we would want them to be. We would want them to be. And I understand that that's a struggle, and that causes some people to just say, I'm, I'm out. But how do I build? So I'm, I think it's really two areas that, I, that have, I've been chewing on. How do I build in my family a foundation for Lillian mm-hmm. that is strong, that's not built on sand? And then where my head has been in in the family and then even though I'm not I, I'm not a staff member on a church I am a church member so why how should church operate and work mm. to help my child mm-hmm. to help your children to help our young adults to help our senior adults right all the different generations that could be in this building, how does the church, how should the church operate best to solidify their foundation? That's where my head has been. And so, you know, it just, so <clears throat> I just read an article um, where Vody Balkum was discussing the chosen and, and he was like, he doesn't like the chosen. He feels like it, it's a second commandment violation being not having any graven image and he feels like that and so i hear his argument john piper comes out on the other side and is like no i don't think it's a sinful thing so you've already i mentioned that to say this for a lot of people the chosen can either be something really cool or it can be a hot button topic right Uh, wherever you stand on it hear what i'm actually saying but in in the last episode that i saw where because um, my senior adults during the summer, we, we take one season and we, we watch it. 
uh, and we discuss how does this line up with scripture? How does it not line up with scripture? What, you know, where did they use sanctified imagination? Where did they, did they not? So they're in preparation for the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the disciples don't understand this is what he's working on, but this yeah. is what he's in preparation for. And Rome sends people after him to bring him to the praetor, bring Jesus to the praetor to just have a conversation, to see if he's really this threat that yeah. they, you know. And all the disciples bristle when Rome shows up. Everybody's ready to fight. And Jesus shows them in their depiction of this. Jesus shows them how to be calm. And he, he tells them something. He was like, I, I'll be back. So number one, he's giving them a direct command, a direct promise. Mm -hmm. I'm coming back. And then he says, um, this sermon is important. Yeah. Keep making preparation. <clears throat> so he gives a direct promise and he gives a direct command. When he comes back, he finds a group of men who are at wit's end, who are ready to fight at the drop of a hat, ready to storm the gates of, of Rome. Of course, they're really in Jerusalem more than anything, or Capernaum or wherever. But he is not, like, they, they missed the boat. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of people are. Jesus... Let me, let me practice what I preach. God the Father, using Jesus as the Word, mm -hmm. an example, the Holy Spirit as the, as the interpreter of the Word, of that example, is saying to us, you're going to have trials, but that doesn't excuse you from getting the work done. Right. So, you know... Well, I'm in this season of life. Okay. Then what is God calling you to? Jennifer gets so frustrated with the programs of the church. And as a staff member, you know, the feeling of and the high sense of responsibility she has. If it's an event at the church, we have to be there. Yeah. And, and I'm like, no. You know, and under, under previous administration, that was probably a very highly expected thing. Uh, undercurrent, not so much. But what the the thing that she's struggling with is she's struggling with this high sense of responsibility. But then she struggles on the other side with the fact of you know I've got a pastor or you know a guest speaker or somebody that comes in and thunders down on the way to do evangelism or the way to do discipleship or the way to do this, 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 and it has to look like this, this, this. And she's like, I'm a homeschool mom. And I'm like, right. So how does that apply to your mission field? Your mission field isn't, you know, okay, you may run into somebody at a grocery store. You may run into somebody, uh, another homeschool mom and yeah. can speak into their world. Yeah. But the actual little disciples, the small group that you're currently teaching, <laughs> are these five Kirby kids right. and that, that at different levels need you on point. So that's the perfect segue to where Jared's head has been. Okay. 
y'all are getting a scary. Yeah, I know. And I don't want to, I don't want this, journey to, I don't want this to come head. across as uh, a critique on the church we go to. Cause I'm not saying it that way. Um, church dumb. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it, the church, the church, just in general, if, uh, Jared were to try to go in somewhere and do something that I think is biblical. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to, I'm trying to get the ego out of it. It's not me that, but it's, it's how I feel the word has been speaking to me about how I should do things in my own home. Right. Um, the fruit, like what should the fruit look like in this way? It should, you know, it, it's, it, to me, it's, as I'm reading, it's going to come out in these acts, these, right. these activities. So in the home or the church, um, it's pretty clear at the end of chapter five that the way Jesus loves the church is by washing us in the word. Yes. And so <clears throat> my home, now I'm telling myself, like my home should be one, and we talked about this last time, that looks like Deuteronomy 6. Mm-hmm where it, we are constantly talking about it. I mean, that, that verse 6, 7, chapter yeah. 6, 7. Yeah. By the way, on the road, when I get up, when I lie down, like the, the point is we're chewing and talking about these words, <clears throat> these themes, these messages all the time. Right. Right. So um, when I'm driving down the road and Lillian asks her favorite question, which is, hey, um, do they love Jesus? It's a perfect opportunity for me to hit pause on the music because she was probably asking about some rock and roll band and she wants to know, are they Jesus lovers or not? <clears throat> and I can hit pause and I can say, you know, I don't know. But, and then we can carry on the conversation. Right. And now we're having this conversation that, that Jesus is inside of. <clears throat> You know, and not yeah. just not just talking about, um, I, I don't, you know, whatever you talk with with a, you know, can I watch this Barbie show or can I watch this? Like, like now, now she's opened the door to get in, right, to some more meaningful conversation. Then you go to the church, yeah, and you you talked about programs and events. I don't think programs and events are inherently good or bad, right. Um, they have a purpose and, and oftentimes I think we use those purposes for good. But my challenge to the church now would be that as we are involving ourselves in events and programs in um, the, the natural cycles mm-hmm. of the church, if we're not making sure that those conversations are happening, mm-hmm. then we're doing the people sitting there a disservice. So mm-hmm. what do I mean by that? If I, um, let's say that our pastor came to me mm-hmm. and said, could you lead a, we do Wednesday night small groups mm-hmm. in our church. Could you lead a Wednesday night small group for seven weeks? Yes, I can. Um, And I go into those seven weeks and I do nothing but talk and I don't engage the people inside that room in the word. Right. Then 
have I done them a service or a disservice? Mm. My opinion right now, as I'm chewing through, how does this look based on Ephesians? I, I think I have done them a disservice. Mm-hmm. So is that to say we shouldn't have preaching? No, 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 no. Different. The context of a Sunday morning sermon mm-hmm. is vastly different from a Wednesday night small group setting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and I think like the Wednesday night small groups are really important because that's a, an opportunity that you're inside the church building with the body of the church. Right. And you get to have these conversations like what we're doing right now where I, I can come in and say, I've been reading this and I'm struggling. Can mm-hmm. someone help me see this? Yeah. Right. If we, if that's not happening, I am convicted and convinced that we're missing the boat. I, t- I tell you one thing that I think our pastor does really well um, that I'm thankful for is in the bulletin at the end of every sermon outline, yes. the table talk. Yes, those questions. Uh, yes, absolutely. And, and, it's, and, and so what does that mean? That means that, that our pastor is contemplating the word far enough in advance putting his outline together far enough in advance to then think through questions to say, okay, I don't want to just come and give you a message. And then you walk out and go, man, pastor, that was good today. I feel good. Mm-hmm. No, I, I want you to hear what I said. And then I want you to take these questions and I want you to chew on it more. Yeah. I don't want you just to walk out and go, Man, that was a good that was a good service. All right. Now let me go out here and, you know, smoke me a cigarette and drink me a beer and have a good afternoon. Right. No, there's God ordained appointments for me this week with people that need encouragement. Yeah. Or a child that needs a father or a mother to speak into their life. Or uh, a coworker that <laughs> has really been struggling. Or uh, you know, a neighbor that needs that needs support and strength yep and i need to be sharp and and, i think a lot of people look at at sunday morning in in different ways you know some people see it as the evangelistic arm of the church some people see sunday mornings as you know seeker Mm. oriented I'm going to make the argument for me anyway Sunday morning is for the church for yeah. the body of Christ yes it's it's not for the non-believer can the non-believer be impacted by it absolutely but Sunday morning the day that we celebrate the <clears throat> resurrection of Jesus Christ while it should be evangelistic more than anything, it should be a moment where believers are restored in their soul, mm. are challenged in the word, and have spent time together as the body on their face before God Almighty saying, you are holy, you are righteous, cleanse me, you know, to, to rob from the, the psalmist, cleanse me from my secret faults. 
Yeah. Let them have no dominion over me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my yeah. redeemer. Let, you know, you are an amazing God. So how, God, do I take this challenge you've given? How do I apply it in my life? Yes. And, and I think there are a lot of churches that miss the boat because we're concerned about the stage presence. Yeah. We're concerned about the atmosphere. We're concerned about the clothing. We're concerned about the click track. We're concerned about all of these things. What would happen if all of a sudden the United States, foreshadowing, went from being a free nation to a communist one and you didn't have all of these resources, can I still worship the Lord without right. the bells and whistles? So with that question in mind, right, then it, the, the thought for me has been, okay, what do we need to be doing in the church to build that foundation, <clears throat> build something that um, my child's faith is built on the rock. Mm -hmm. Your kid's faith is built on the rock. My faith is secured, you mm -hmm. know, more on this solid foundation. <clears throat> and, and so I've come to this point in my study and my conviction of, okay, we should be, I'll start at the youngest and move my way forward. Okay. <clears throat> I used to think that, um, churches should be organized more thematically, meaning that if the church staff got together and said, here's where we want to go in the next six months. Here's where we're going to go from the pulpit. Here's what's going to be preached on, teach on, and everyone's kind of the staff is in agreement on it. Then all the other <clears throat> ministries that fit in should be oriented around that, mm -hmm. right? That's where I used to think. So like, okay, <clears throat> the youth ministry should be kind of adjacent to the same movement, right? Mm -hmm. The kids ministry maybe is adjacent to it. The Sunday school classes should be studying the same kind of thought, right? Mm -hmm. I used to think that. I, I don't think that would be bad if a church decided to do that. Right. I don't. But how do you get alignment in the church without having to be thematically like that? Well, you center yourself on the gospel, mm -hmm. right? So you start with, you start, go down to the kids ministry, and what should be in the forefront of the teaching every time those kids are in the building, whether it's for Sunday school, for kids' church, for we do Awanas, whatever the, you know, a, a Wednesday night or Sunday night activity is, <clears throat> it should be centered around the gospel. Mm -hmm. They're learning it, right? They learn the gospel. And then you kind of build around that, and so maybe, maybe you're, you're teaching them about... Um, the church sacraments mm. like like you've 
maybe you've worked your way through, like, what is the gospel? And then, so now they start asking questions about the church. How does the church operate? And so you can kind of build around that, but it centers from... What is baptism? What is the Lord's Supper? Why do we practice it the way we do? Exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's centered around the gospel. Yeah. So that when they go in our church, they go upstairs, right? And they, they hear our pastor preaching out of something. They have a context in which to, um, compare and go, even in the, even in a a first grader's mind, does this make sense to me? Right. Mm-hmm. You've you've centered them. You you've built this foundation. And and that teaching to me can be like obviously it's focused in the word of God, mm-hmm. focused on the Bible, but it's through it's teaching them through um songs mm-hmm. and how do you you know, like you, you help orient them on um what it means to read the Bible, read the word, to study it. What is the gospel? How do you compare it? You teach them how to worship a, a little bit. We teach them a lot through prayer. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's one thing that, that our children's pastor, I think is phenomenal at, you know, when he closes out a prayer every single time, thank yeah. you for the cross and the <laughs> fact of the resurrection. Yeah. Every single time those kids are under his teaching they're confronted with the fact of the cross and the fact of the resurrection. Yeah. Yep. And one day it's going to click for them. He believes it's factual. Right. Why does he believe it's factual? Why, why, why is this so important? And the great thing is, is that hopefully we're raising a generation of kids who's not living at a cross, but they're living in the light of an empty tomb. Right. And right. that's huge. <clears throat> And that's where we all need to be. Yes. Yes. And so you do that in the, excuse me, in the kids area of the church, then work your way up to, um, I would, I would kind of lump all the rest of them in together. Right. Right. You get the youth youth up. Mm -hmm. Churches tend to say, We've got to slam the calendar full. <clears throat> the church I grew up in, the I mean, I can think about the summers. And I'm not it's not an indictment of what was going on because I think what was going to me as a youth, it was great. The the summer was packed. Mm-hmm. Packed to the gills. Yeah. Jumping from one thing to the next. Yeah, and and it was a an entire summer long event. Like it was like youth group competition all summer long. Right. So like every Wednesday night there was something. There was small groups on Sunday nights. There was church on Sunday. There was camp, uh, mission trip, usually something else. Like right, it was just constant. It's not good or bad, but what I but what I would challenge and say is you don't have to pack the calendar full if you're packing the event or the thing that you're doing full of the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if if everything we do when we get together as the body in some form or fashion, small group, Sunday morning, a Sunday night thing, a um a one-off activity, maybe we're doing some uh, a church barbecue or a church event. If we're washing, if we're being allowed to be washed in the Word, mm-hmm. 
we're centering ourselves on the gospel and we're building each other up in that way, mm -hmm. then the natural outpouring of that is quote unquote, some success, mm -hmm. right? It's so it's really, I'm, I've been challenged more in my own life lately that we should make whatever we're doing impactful in that way and not worry so much about how much are we doing. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, <clears throat> quality over quantity. Yeah. We live in a world that bombards quantity. Yeah. And, you know, one of uh, our staff members the other day in staff meeting just, just made the comment. We finally had a staff meeting where everybody was there because everybody was home from vacation. Yeah, summertime's hard. Yeah. And he, he just made the comment, you know, he was like, we cloud, this is in his devotion, we cloud ourselves with good things. And, and the good things get in the way of God being able to do the great things in our lives. And, and I mean, I know that sounds like it can sound cheesy and cliche. And, and, you know, in the 90s especially, there was a lot of that talk. <laughs> but it's a good point to come back to. And it's a good reminder of the fact that, you know, look, no, we are, we are prone to being busy. I have a very good friend of mine who has been through a very tough time uh, in their life. And a fear I have always had for them is that they feel their life with so much activity. Mm. That's how they survived the bumps, the bruises, the ups and downs. And now that a lot of that is, is kind of coming full circle, my fear is what's left in the aftermath. Yeah. And are you going to be okay with those still quiet moments? Are you going to be able to make the transition with you don't have the need to be busy? Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think in points of clarification in the midst of all this, for me, here's Larry's takeaway from the conversation we've had today. And my heavens, you know, we, we could have gone so much deeper and we could have gone for hours on this topic and just, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, beat every, every living inch out of it. It goes back to what we talked about in Ephesians. Paul is going to address our personal relationship with Jesus, yeah. our familial relationship with Jesus, and our corporate relationship with Jesus. And he did. He challenged <laughs> us in our personal lives our personal relationship and our family relationships and our corporate relationships. Yep. What are you doing in life that is getting in the way of your personal relationship, your family relationship and your corporate relationship? Yep. If you are doing something that's getting in the way, remove it. Yeah. If you are not doing something, that adds to those things, something that helps you branch all three of those areas, then figure a way to add it in. And if you are not a, a person or a family that is used to living in this mentality, it's going to be a rough start. Yeah. Because you've got to bring spouse, 
yep. and kids along the journey with you. Yep. And you're going to get pushback. But my challenge is be faithful. Yeah. Don't yeah. back down. Be faithful. Yep. But but really evaluate. Don't go in, you know, Craig Rochelle for leadership says this. He he doesn't add like where he's gotten to in life in his daily routine has not come from one day waking up and going, okay. I'm just going to do it. I'm now. just going to do it all now, right. right? He said every year he adds one thing. And for instance, he was convicted about working out. He said, so I wanted to work out. So what he did was he said, this year I'm going to go get a gym membership and I'm going to work out. But then here's how he implemented it in his life. He went and got the gym membership. That was probably a month. <laughs> He had a gym membership. He didn't go, but he had the membership. Then he started setting his alarm to get up. He'd get up. He would drive to the gym. He'd sit there and look at the door and go, it's a mighty fine-looking gym. <laughs> and then he'd go to the church and get work done or go to his office or whatever. And then he started going, well, I've made it this far to drive here. I'm going to at least walk in. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to hop on one machine for five minutes and then I'm going to leave. And what he did was he finally got to the point of, no, I'm going to take my clothes in with me because I plan on being there just long enough that I'm going to need to change. Right. And, and he did that and slowly built it up to where, okay, alarm's off. I go to the gym. I work out for this amount of time. I go, and it became part of his ingrained schedule. Right. That's the danger. The danger is we try to do this all at one time. Sanctification is a lifelong process. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of where I've ended in my own thoughts right now and in this, what I've been chewing on is it's kind of twofold. In my family, We should be, I should be doing things to lead my family in a, in a way that is centered on the gospel, mm -hmm. centered, centered on the gospel and the word of God. And so a reminder to myself, Jared, don't get tied up in <clears throat> whether or not we read, prayed, and sung a song. Right. It's not about the event. No. Right. But if I, if I build a habit for the family where we do those things and it's centered on the gospel, <clears throat> then, you know, fruit is going to come from it. Right. And then take that same idea forward to my church that I love, <clears throat> to my parents' church or to any of the churches that are around us. Don't get caught up on the event but have a habit of every event you do mm -hmm. is centered on the gospel, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? It's not about, it's not necessarily about evangelism, evangelistic on a Sunday morning, right? but it should still be centered on the gospel. Absolutely. And so if we are, fo if the church and the family is focused on what is it centered on and not about how many events we do or, or did we do the events right? then the foundations of more of the people leaving that church and moving towns mm -hmm. or going off to college or 
coming up to a point of question that's just really concerning them in their life, hopefully at the end of that, because the church has been focused in the right areas, they're in a place where they can ask tough questions and come out better for it on the other side Absolutely. rather than deconverting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. You know, this is this is where you make the statement just got to be faithful. It's not about necessarily having faith. You just got to be faithful. God is faithful every day. His mercies are new every yeah. single day. Yeah. So what does that mean? <clears throat> every day I wake up, there's a clean slate in front of me. Larry's either going to be a jerk today or Larry's going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, which what does that mean? That means that Larry's either going to be all about himself or he's going to be all about Jesus. Right. So what? what's one thing you can change in your life today that makes you be focused on being all about Jesus. Start there. Right. Just just start. Please just just yeah. start. Larry, just start. I know. You know, that's what is just ringing, ringing in my ear. You know, I, you've heard me say this before. You've heard me teach this, and I still fully believe this, even though I'll be honest, I don't always practice it, but I still believe it. And so I get convicted when we don't practice it. The worship in our home directly affects the worship in the corporate body. Yeah. And if we are not worshiping at home, we will not worship in the corporate body. And if we are not worshiping in the corporate body, it's going to mess up the worship in the home. Yep. So there's Larry's <laughs> nugget of either wisdom or consternation. I know. I don't know. What, I don't know. <laughs> for, for wherever you are, I don't know where that... I don't know where that slaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know what we're going to call this episode yet, but I think once again, we have proven that we are full of hot air. <laughs> we, we shall call it ponderings. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to take this time because I promised her I would do this and she's going to be so mad at me. I, I want to take the time. This is a joke to announce a new podcast a new podcast is going to be led by Jennifer Kirby. And in that podcast, what it's going to be is purely a rebuttal to this podcast. So every time Larry and Jared forget what it is, we're going to call it Monday morning quarterback. Yes. So every time we, we misspeak or say something, Jennifer's going to have one that comes on the backside that is nothing but correcting Larry and Jared's holes in the brain. <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. You guys. know what? Like, you know what? Though, if we did that, she and Katie would have too much fun with that. If we if we did that and kept it underneath the same name, we'd probably see some exponential growth happen. In I our, bet we uh, would. I bet the, the wives would like kick in even harder and be like, maybe finally, maybe what we do is we give her control of like the Instagram. Oh, that'd be a good idea. Let's say here you can free reign. Yeah. Just make sure you get the hashtags right. We're trying to figure out who's going to stumble upon it. <laughs> we, would, we would like to say hashtag any person that is in earshot of somebody that we love. Um, please share our podcast with them. We would love to interview them. I actually have two guys right now that I would love to interview, and I'm still trying to figure So I'm going to say it out loud just in case you happen to know one of these guys. Uh, if you happen to know uh, Steve Scheibner or Steve Noble, um, uh, both North Carolina based guys, um, 
uh, guys, if you happen to hear this, I still, even though we've had a conversation, I still want to get, get you on an interview. We're just, we're still trying to get this thing started and figured out what we're doing. Um, so I am not a millennial, but I'm supposed to be able to live in the analog and digital world. There you go. And, and I still find sometimes digital is perplexing to me. Um, I, 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 digital is not perplexing to you. The internet, social media is perplexing is to perplexing. me. Yes, that's, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you are of the age where you did come <laughs> along before smartphones, but you are further in this world than, yeah. than I am. Yeah. Computers were in the home faster for me than they were for you. Yeah. But I, I remember still re- when but, they weren't, but I still remember when they weren't. <laughs> yeah. I was just younger. All right, so nobody, probably almost everybody has already turned it off at this point. Because they're like, Mm -hmm. they're done talking. They're just rambling now. But if you happen to have lasted this long into what was the end of our podcast and now we're just rambling. Yes. You you get a little bit of a nugget that the ones that have already turned it off don't get. So here's where we're going next. Yes. Kind of. We hope. We're going to spend the next couple of months... Mm-hmm. In the minor profits, we want to wear you out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it is Larry's job to decide which minor profits, <sighs> and I'm not putting him on the spot to say it now because we don't need to know that. But we we have decided we're going to jump into the minor profits yes. for the next couple of months, and then after that, we're going to come out on the other side of the minor profits. Yes. And we are going to go into the Advent season. Yes, and enjoy it. And enjoy For it. For once in my life, enjoy Advent. And so that's kind of, really, that's the rest of the year. Yep. So the rest of the year is the minor prophets, as they yell at us that the Savior's coming. <laughs> Repent! <laughs> that the Savior, they're telling us, they're going to warn us, Repent because the Savior's coming, and then we're going to celebrate that He came. I love it. All right. I love it. So that's the rest of the year for us. Yeah. Um, so I hope you guys want to join the ride. So and sharpening podcast yep. at gmail.com and many other places, Instagram and Facebook. Father, you are holy. I keep coming back there with you because I need the reminder, but then you prove it to me on a daily basis. And I thank you, Lord, for your love and your encouragement. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for this moment in time with my friend um, who we don't always see eye to eye, but yet, God, we enjoy that. We enjoy resting in your promises and growing in your word. And God, thank you for the opportunity to bring others along with us on this journey. So as we seek your face, O God of Jacob, would you create in us clean hearts that are devoted to you, that desire to lead our families in straight paths and to encourage the church with your love and your grace and your mercy and to take that same love and grace and mercy and share it with those who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And all this we ask in his name, Jesus. Amen.